you're listening to another episode of Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that just came out. And this one just came out, um, this one just came out on, uh, VOD, but it was in theaters a little bit ago. It still might be in theaters, depending on where you are. Release schedules are a little strange right now. Today we're going to be talking about the second Robert Eggers movie we've talked about on this podcast, and that is The Northman. Um... So, The Northman is uh, based on the same story that Hamlet is based on. Uh, it is about a Norse prince who decides to take revenge uh, when tragedy befalls his family. And if you are worried about more spoilers than that, you may want to come back later because this is a sp- this is an episode where we're going to spoil things in the trailer, and then later on we're going to spoil things like for real. But we do actually put a spoiler warning before we get really into uh, spoiling like major plot points. Now, last time we talked about a Robert Eggers movie on this podcast, uh, we had like um, we had like seagulls in the background the whole time, which is really cool. And uh, I don't really know that we could do something like that this time. Uh, but I did always have the feeling of, like, maybe we could do a bunch of Viking drums or something in the background the whole time. I think it might get a little distracting. But even if that's not feasible for the whole time, why don't we have some Viking drums anyway? Here's some music from the Northmen. back to another episode of Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies uh, that just came out. And this one is... Today we're going to talk about our second Robert Eggers movie. Um, there aren't a lot of, there aren't a lot of uh, directors we've talked about multiple times on this show, except like, I guess Martin Scorsese, but that's because we talked about like all of Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, movies and he's worked with Martin Scorsese so many times. Hey, hold hold up the the director of Sonic, uh, Jeff Fowler. Oh yeah, about twice as well. <laughs> Jeff Fowler. We, we talked about every single one of his movies. Yeah, it's, um, we're I'd say we're his super fans. 
I hope that Jeff Fowler can hear this. I've never even seen all of Christopher Nolan's movies, so I guess I like Jeff Fowler more than him, honestly. Oh wow, that's high praise. Which yeah. uh, which Chris Nolan movies are you missing? <clears throat> I just if haven't you know seen Insomnia. Uh, I think. Uh, I think I've seen so, like most of that movie, but never yeah. the whole thing. I don't know why. I, I like from what I've seen, it's good. I've just never seen any discussion on it or any like reason to watch it. I guess it's um, one of those that. I'm sure it's good, and I've never heard otherwise. But also, like, no one talks about it, and it kind of, to the point where, like, when you look at, like, when you see pictures of it, it's like, oh, this is a detective thriller. That's cool, I guess. And, like, you know, with The Prestige, there's something mind-blowing in that movie, where, where, like, you're drawn to that movie. Same with Inception. Same with Tenet, to a degree. Like, Mm -hmm. every Christopher Nolan movie has some kind of draw, where Insomnia... If it does, I don't know what it is. Like, no one's talking yeah. about it. Like I was you probably, I would say it's like, because I think it was like his first big studio movie that like wasn't like, because he was hired. To, he was basically boomed up from Memento to like an actual production, mm-hmm. um, like a big production. So that was like kind of felt more like a director of higher, higher director thing rather than. Right. Big, but at least that's, that's what it feels like. Anyways, we're not here to talk about Christopher Nolan. No, we're here to talk about Robert Eggers. Yes. Who is, at least from what I've seen of his past work, he became one of my favorite directors that I've been excited to see, um, like, for a while. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. When I I saw The Lighthouse, I was sold. I'm like, anything this guy is going to put out, I'm going to watch. Yeah. Which I say without having seen The Witch yet, but I will. (laughs) Yeah. Straight up, Every by the time is. this comes out, I may have seen The Witch. Um, yeah, I, I saw The Witch last summer, and that was probably one of, if not the most disturbing movies I've ever seen. Um, I'd probably put it up there with, like, Color from Space, except this was more, I'd say it was better done, if that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, with Color Out of Space, like, I didn't dislike it, but there's a lot it's lacking in a lot of specific areas. Like color out of space is kind of shallow where it should be like a really deep horror movie. Like it should, the idea of color out of space should like shake you to your core. And I don't think that the movie does that. Yeah. Um, the witch does do that. In my yeah. Opinion. <laughs> yeah. So that was, uh, that was great. Um, so yeah, I was really excited to see the North man. Um, and, uh, I don't know, see the third, I guess this is like, I see this as kind of like the trilogy of Robert Eggers. Um, even though this movie, the North man, it's really different. Like he's usually worked with like very small budgeted movies. This was like $70 million. This is, um, and it's also like universal. This is his first movie. That's not with a 24. Mm-hmm. So it's like a big studio movie made for a huge budget. Yeah, I had no idea going into. I I just assumed this was. I, I assumed this was another A twenty four movie. Honestly, I was really surprised when I didn't see them in the uh, opening credits. But yeah, this is he. He definitely. This was a big leap for him in terms of what he's done in the past. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I think is really. I really love. Uh, I mean, oh, okay. I want to. <laughs> at first, I was like, when I fir- was first watching this, like, oh, this it's really nice that they gave 
um, an original movie this much money. Um, but this isn't an original movie. It's it's actually based on a very old tale um, that Hamlet was based on. So the lots of striking resemblances to Hamlet uh, that you might notice if you watch this movie. Yeah, straight down to like every character in Hamlet has a parallel in this movie. Like I don't know, I've never, I actually have not read Hamlet and I haven't read um, the source material of this, but I do wonder to a little, I I, I kind of wish that I should, I, I, I'd be very interested to talk to someone who has read the source material because I'm kind of interested to know, one, how similar the source material is to Hamlet and like also how much this movie borrows from each of them. Because I'm sure that like it's obviously talking about the saga first and then Hamlet. But like in this movie, it plays out so much like Hamlet that I also wonder like how much did it just borrow from Shakespeare's version? Or I guess adaptations that have come before, basically. Mm-hmm. It's adapting a movie that's it's adapting a story that's been adapted so many times in so many different forms that like I'm curious I'm, I'm curious like how much of it is from what yeah um I, I don't doubt I, I feel like Robert actually well no I was gonna say I don't thought he might have switched some things up just because I, I feel like he's a very like creative director but I also I remember reading like I think he he does like a ton of research into the time periods of, of what he does, right? I read somewhere and like, I can't, I can't personally confirm this, but I was reading about, um, there's a scene in this movie that, that shows a Valkyrie from, from like Norse mythology. And she has something on her teeth that looks like braces. And I'm like, are those braces? And I looked it up and no, it's actually like a type of, viking body mod basically where they would file in parts of their teeth like they they would make like incisions in parts of their teeth as a mark of some kind for some reason um it's super meaningful like there's a lot behind just that one shot which is crazy to me but the um the thing i was reading apparently like they did research down to the production design tried to make sure that in certain scenes they had the right uh species of grass that would have been period accurate, which I thought was like crazy. It's like, that's actually too much, but like they did a lot of research for this. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel like it might've been like, he, he it, it, it's possible he tried to um, make the story as accurate to the source material as possible too. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to just given on, on how much he cares about that stuff. So. Uh, yeah. Do, do you, do you want to talk about what this movie is about? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the easiest way to say it is this movie is Hamlet. And for anybody in the audience that like knows Hamlet, I hope that did it for you because that's literally it. like beat for beat. It, it, this movie is basically beat for beat Hamlet because when you tell the story of Hamlet, how else are you going to tell it? Like it's, it's just, mm. that's what it is. But I guess to be like, a little more for, for those of you among for, for those of our listeners who haven't read Hamlet, like, like me, um, it, this movie, it's about, uh, it's about like, it starts out with a young kid who's, uh, a young Viking kid whose father comes back from war or something. He's like, a, he, it sounds like he's like a conqueror or something. Like he's always away doing battle and he comes home one time and, 
And when he comes home, it's uh, like he, he has a great day out with his kid, but then he gets killed by his brother who usurps his throne, takes over and like, uh, and, and the kid whose name is, gosh, I actually, oh, Amleth. It's Amleth. It's Hamlet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he he manages to escape and um, comes back later in his life swearing revenge on the guy who killed his father. Um, and that's like the outset for this movie. And then most of this movie takes place with him having infiltrated, <clears throat> like late, m- later on, the guy who killed his father, Fjolnir, is has fallen on hard times. And like he no longer rules over a kingdom. He's just like a pretty big village elder, I guess. Like mostly he owns a farm, but you gotta it's it's a bit bigger than just a farm. Like he's got a lot of people that work under him, but essentially it's just a farm. So he runs a farm, and um most of this movie takes place with Amleth being a slave on that farm and trying to like first off make Fjolnir's life hell, but eventually kill Fjolnir as his revenge. Most of this movie is a revenge plot against Fjolnir. Mm-hmm. And that's it's the, like, that's the basic plot. It's like the Lion King, but if Simba came back in like the first act, basically, <laughs> you know, guess, you say that in the second act, the Lion King is Hamlet. So yes, yeah, it is yeah. the Lion King. Um, so yeah. Uh, what, what did you think of the movie? Um, <laughs> I mean, for the most part, I really liked it. This movie is like, it's beautiful, first off. Um, it's like, the the acting is great. A lot, of, like, a lot of this movie is just big, muscly men fighting each other, which is always fun to watch. Um, and the music is awesome. Like, if anything, I think the messaging in this movie kind of feels a bit simplistic at times. But I don't think that, like, I think it's one of those movies where it's easy to interpret it one way, but it's, there's also like a lot of layers to it. If you want to look, if you want to look just a little bit under the surface, we'll probably talk about those things um, shortly, but like, yeah, in general, I really liked it. Uh, I did not like it as much as the lighthouse, which Mm. I think the lighthouse is an almost impossibly high bar. So that doesn't have to mean much. That's a, yeah, that would be a crazy feat. Um, I I personally didn't I I thought it was good potentially like maybe great I thought it was really well directed and I thought Mm -hmm. the I thought Alexander Skarsgård was really really intense um as the lead as the lead I don't really know I've never seen him in anything else um from what I remember I don't really see him as like a a great actor like that makes sense but Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, in this case, I don't really think they needed a great actor. They just needed kind of a, like, I'm not saying he was bad. It was just like his character was very simplistic and straightforward. He <laughs> was just kind of a, a savage person. They needed someone to act like relatively like a savage person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Skarsgård did great. He was jacked in this. Oh, my God. He yeah. was huge. Um, and... Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, I've seen him in a few things. He's just honestly kind of forgettable. Uh, the Long Shot. I saw that. Godzilla versus Kong. I, I had no idea he was in that. Um, and I saw that recently. Oh, he was Tarzan. Okay. I've he never was seen in Tarzan. Zoolander, but... apparently. Zoolander too. Yeah. 
Zoolander, oh, Zoolander one, 1 as well. Yeah, what the hell? Yeah, like, I have seen plenty of these movies that he's been in, but <laughs> yeah. I don't remember him. For yeah, the most that, that is really weird. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to lie. He seems like a very forgettable actor. Um, I think it's just because he looks, he just looks so, like, he's too handsome, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, he looks like a, a like the basic male model. I mean, that's why, like, I guess he was cast in a Zoolander, but... Um, but yeah, I thought he was fine in this. Like, I thought he he, he brought a very savage presence to it. Um, Anya Taylor Joy is that her name? That is her name. Anya Taylor. I, I, I always I'm scared I'll get her confused with Aaron Taylor Johnson. So I'm like, I'm not sure which one is which. Sometimes. Um, Anya Taylor Joy was in this. I I didn't even know if she was in this either. Um, but she was she was pretty good too. Um. Mm-hmm. I just, I feel like the movie was much more of a, like, cinematic experience rather than, like, to me, what felt like a script and character movie. You know, mm-hmm. I think the directing did a lot of the heavy lifting, um, and there wasn't much left over for the rest to pick up on. Because, again, I don't think the acting was bad. It's just the, the despite Alexander Skarsgård being basically, like, the, the main focus of, like, two-thirds of the movie, I... I can't really tell you much of like I can't tell you any great acting uh, performance like parts from him if that makes sense. Yeah, I think like I would I would agree none of the acting is bad. The only thing that I would specifically point out as good as like really 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 good is Clias Bang as Fjolnir. He's so good in this movie. Mm. Like he's incredible. Every time we see Fjolnir, like um. Robert Eggers uh, as a director and Sion as the screenwriter, like those two as well, they did such a good job writing Fjolnir as a character that even though he's the obvious bad guy from the start and the movie never lets us think that he's not the bad guy, the the screenplay and specifically Klaus Bang's performance uh, makes Fjolnir such a, like such an interesting and such an actually sympathetic character, despite the fact that even up until the end, we're like, no, we, we do kind of want you to die. You're the, you, you have to die for this movie to end. But like, um, literally just the first scene already, like literally just the first scene with Fjolnir already just establishes. It's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. The first time we see Fjolnir after the time skip where it, it like establishes him as a real human person. That's actually like, did he do the right thing? Probably not, but he seems like he's actually probably a good leader and he's being, and you know, he's the subject of revenge because Alexander Scars or Amleth has a very simplistic worldview that requires people who do bad things to die. And it's like, well, actually there's a lot more going on here. If you would just stop for a minute. Um, I, I personally never really found, like, I, I thought he should die. I thought he was an asshole. Um, well, yeah. But I think, like, I was cool. Like, I'm, I mean, obviously, this isn't, like, an Eggers choice, but this was, like, I, I, I think, like, what was interesting was that, is that he was, like, he was not a, like, he had nothing left. Like, his, his life was pretty shit, to be honest. Like, yeah. Like. I didn't realize it, but, like, when I... Because I thought at first that it was just, like, 
maybe this was just like a subsection of his kingdom that he was visiting. No, uh, but that's no, that, his farm. that was his farm. <laughs> So it's just kind of funny, like, so this this guy's, like, proclaiming to be a king, and he's ruling, like, he has, like, eight guards, and, like, maybe 20 farmers, and, like, 20 slaves or something. <laughs> it's like, yeah. what is this guy ruling? And it was really funny listening to, like, there's a part where, um, I don't, I don't know, he's, he's talking about legacy and stuff. I can't really say much without spoilers, but he's talking, he's, like, they're talking about legacy and, like, it's just like what are you what are you passing on like yeah. <laughs> once you die like nothing, nothing I don't think your kids want this I'm going to be honest this is pretty lame part um, of what I love about this movie is like the very first thing the very first thing we establish is okay Amleth needs to get revenge and that revenge requires Fjolnir to die the second thing the very next thing we establish is Fjolnir is a man who has nothing how much more could he lose well, technically, he could still lose uh, quite a bit, but like, not really. Like, he doesn't have. He's he's already lost everything, and now it's time to take revenge. It's like you're coming into, yeah. you're coming into like, kill someone who's on his last leg. <laughs> Honestly, it was kind of funny. Like a little looking, bit. I was looking at that, especially when he <laughs> he comes in. Like, he, he literally could have, like, when he came up as a slave, I'm pretty sure he could have, like, killed all the guards, like, in his handcuffs. Because he was this big, hulking man. And there's, well, like, eight guards that are, like, obviously very out of shape and, like, old. And, and yeah. Amleth is introduced to us as a berserker. I'm like, <laughs> it's not, I'm not saying berserker because I want to point out that he's strong. I'm saying berserker because that's literally his job description. Like he yeah. was, he's the Viking vanguard that goes in and kills everyone in the village so that the soldiers can come through and take over the village. Yeah. It's there, like, an... oh, I was just going to say, it's like it, he, he 100% if he was operating at like, if he wanted to, he could kill every guard in that village, in that farm, just because. From the start of the movie, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, there's there's that really cool scene you're describing where they kind of set up how savage the berserkers are or whatever. And that was an amazing scene. I think I think that the movie peaked there in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a really good it was really well directed of them basically invading this little village. There's this there's this one oh my god, there's this one part where Someone throws a spear. I think it was an Alexander Skarsgård. He just he grabs it. He he catches it in midair and throws it back at the person. And this is like from like fifty feet away or something like that. Like it was really far, but like it was a really cool shot. Yeah, um, he does that, and then ten naked men run into the village and destroy the village. It was brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they established really early on that this is like one of the best warriors you could find. Mm-hmm. Um, he gives, and he he is not scared to die either. Like again, he did this with like no armor. Mm-hmm. Like, they were naked. Basically, <laughs> they're not naked, but like they had like loincloths or something. I don't. Yeah, know. I mean, there's a scene li- later on where he's sitting in the village, like taking a drink of water, you know, replenishing his strength a little bit after everyone's dead. And yeah. this naked dude comes by him, and he's like, "Good fight today." And then you see him walk away with his loincloth like dragging yeah. behind him. That's <laughs> like, yeah. All right. <laughs> um, so yeah, like it, it, it was kind of comedic that he he wanted revenge, but he was 
I mean, the point was that he was, you know, wanted the guy to suffer, but again, he he was already suffering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's this one scene where uh, something really bad happens in the village, and they're like, who could have done this? <laughs> you see the slaves lined up, and they're all really small, then you see Alexander Skarsgård is like twice as big as everyone else. <laughs> I was like, what about the one guy that like literally has the physical strength to take out these people? Like, yeah. Why are you why are you not jumping to conclusions here? This is it was actually I don't know if that was the intention, but it was kind of funny that they wouldn't just look at the one guy that was obviously in extreme danger to everyone there. Yeah. <laughs> like the potential person to blame. Um so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think stuff like that kind of hurt. I I feel like I wasn't supposed to be laughing in those parts. Um, It was it was just kind of like the suspension of belief in some of these things was kind of tough to bear. Mm -hmm. Um, Because again, like it, it, well, there's there's it feels like there, the movie is like overindulging in some parts of like dramatizing it when like I feel like in my head it's like a lot more straightforward. If that makes sense, like Mm -hmm. if they they should have added maybe maybe more of a reason why he couldn't just kill everyone like straight away, like believably, like you, it, it's kind of, it kind of overselling it to, to sell him as this like a, a menacing person and then make him come off as very like hesitant to kill everyone there when it was like very obvious he could. And then he, well, okay. I, this is, a, but like, yeah. So like in this movie, um, very early on, he gets a prophecy that basically, I don't remember exactly what the prophecy is, but it more, it, it essentially is like, go and get revenge on Fjolnir, and this is how you're going to do it. And it's like, I mean, he's hearing exactly what he wants to hear anyway, so great. But like, throughout this whole movie, he's like, very, I think that's one of the fatal flaws of his character and part of the reason that at any given point he couldn't just he he i guess quote unquote couldn't just um like go and kill everybody on the farm is because he's like very dependent on this prophecy because the prophecy like says that he's gonna fight he's gonna fight Fjolnir at the gates of hell so instead so the whole movie instead of actually trying to get revenge on Fjolnir He's trying to ed- he's trying to like engineer a situation where he gets to the gates of hell because that's where he's going to fight Fjolnir and win. And it's like you could also just wring his neck. You're big enough you could do that. But yeah. he's like so um he's like very he's very intent on following this prophecy to the point where he's like he's sort of like limiting himself way more than he has to in so many scenes. Cause uh, one of my favorite devices in this movie is he gets a, he gets a sword that can only be a bit like he can only unsheath the sword at night or at the gates of hell. And there's several times, there's a couple of times in the movie where he tries to unsheath the sword, but the sun is coming up. So he can't unsheath the sword. And then he just like, quickly like he, he like quickly puts everything away and like runs back to his servant quarters because oh i have to do my revenge at night otherwise it doesn't work yeah it's, it's really funny <laughs> to me because it's like no you could just go and punch these people to death you are bigger than everyone there twice yeah. over yeah but 
sure. If you really want to like kill him with the sword, I guess you have to wait until night. <laughs> yeah, I uh, like that's like again, it makes sense in the context of the movie, but like if you're looking at it from like like a, just a common sense perspective, it's like it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, so yeah, I, I think like and, and I think that kind of especially because I think the movie dragged a bit. I think you could have caught off like 15 minutes from this. Um, it should have been like two hours, if not less. Because mm-hmm. uh, this, like, this was actually really long. It was like, not really long. It was like two hours, 15 minutes about. Yeah. Um, which I, I don't think a movie of this, like of this story really needed to be that long. Because again, it's a very straightforward revenge story. You at, say at, that, at but a, one of these I'll days say. I'm going to make you, one of these days we're going to have to watch uh, Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet. Oh boy! Which is four yeah. hours long. Jeez. <laughs> um, but yeah, like maybe if there was more like to it, um, but again, like I, I wasn't really there for like Alexander Skarsgård. I think his performance would have made for just a, a much shorter movie because like he doesn't really get character moments, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like um, the only I actually uh, was it Nicole Kidman, right? Yeah. Yeah, Nicole Kidman was actually really good in this. She she only had like a couple scenes, but she really sold her scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was a I think she was a very she turned out to be a very interesting character, and that surprised me. Yeah. Um, and I kind of wish we got more from her, if that makes sense. Um, even though the the story, the the amount she got made sense for the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's she felt like she really like nailed her role. Um. On a, on a scale that I feel like, you know, Alexander Skarsgård and Anya Taylor-Joy didn't really get to do. Um, same thing with uh, Ethan Hawke. I really liked Ethan Hawke. Yeah, when I, as well. when I saw him in this movie, like, I should have realized, like, this isn't even a spoiler. This is literally in the trailers. Ethan Hawke dies very soon into the mm-hmm. movie. And for whatever reason, I didn't know that going in, even though I really should have. And I'm, and when he died, like, I wasn't surprised. I was like, oh, yeah, actually, that makes sense. But yeah. I was sad because I wanted to see more of Ethan Hawke. I wanted to see more of Willem Dafoe. Neither of them was in this movie for yeah, me. Yeah, Willem Dafoe was, was great in this. He had some really weird scenes, but he, he sold them. <laughs> yeah. He sold them well, yeah. I mean, Willem Dafoe is always great. That's true, yeah. I, I don't know why I'm... Praising him, it's just like I could just say Willem Dafoe, I, and I feel like it's, yeah, that no, should you, be enough. You should praise him, but still, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, he was great. And I, I like, I wish we got some more of that. And I think like characters, I guess characters, because it's like Robert Eggers can make great characters. I just wish he had more of those characters in the movie. And again, I don't think you needed to give like Alexander Scars. I thought his character worked as it was. It's just the movie should have maybe been shorter if we weren't gonna amplify it with some other characters that weren't just like basically grunting the whole time i don't know like, yeah, well, like he, he talked but like it felt like he was grunting the whole time like alexander really skarsgård's character is very simplistic like yeah. he exists to he he's there to move the story along but like he never wavers from his initial thought of i need to kill fjolnir mm-hmm. and by the very end of the movie his goals have never changed. Yeah. So like, like it's it's kind of tough to to keep the movie going when like that's like the character. It's not a dynamic character. It's a very straightforward character. He kind of there's like kind of a love thing with Anya Taylor Joy, but I never really felt like 
much chemistry between them or like much, you know, there wasn't much I mean, there, if that makes sense. It was just, yeah. he met a chick that he kind of cares for. There's um, like chemistry enough just because Anya Taylor-Joy is like always, a, always wonderful to see on screen and like she mm. can make it work with anybody. It's yeah. like, it's not, it wasn't like, famously great chemistry but they were fine together like they didn't they didn't look actively bad together mostly because anya taylor joy really brings up the really does a lot of heavy lifting there but still it's kind of again it's kind of a thing where it's like she's the only like decent looking chick there and he's the only attractive like the only decent looking guy there he's the only guy over seven feet tall (laughs) yeah so I guess it makes sense that they would be attracted to each other. Like it makes sense uh, in in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So I don't know. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm complaining about this movie a lot, but like uh, it it is good. Like the I, I guess I, if we focus on like the directing, I really liked the like the the feel of it was like like it was flawless. Like for a seventy million dollar movie, it felt as intimate as like any one of his earlier movies, like that were cheaper. Yeah, um, but like, even though the scope was like expanded, if that makes sense, like I never felt like they were. I don't know if they. Sh- I doubt they shot this on green screen or whatever. But no, I mean, I maybe there's so. there's a certain part at the end they they probably did. But um, well, yeah, any um, of the CGI, I guess. But there's not yeah. that much. There's probably a lot of CGI in this movie, but there's really not that much overt CGI. Like mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't build an entire horse on a screen for this or anything. Yeah, thank God. Um, so yeah, all of that felt really good. The attention to detail was great. Again, when I was talking about earlier, that one scene, I think that was like mostly, that was a one shot, right? Of them attacking the village. I think so. Um, that was amazing. Like that mm-hmm. whole sequence was really, really well done. Um, but yeah, this, this movie f- felt like, I mean, I was surprised it was $70 million just because it was Robert Eggers, but it really felt like it earned its, like it never felt cheap at all. Oh yeah, really that was well seventy executed. million dollars with no fat. Yeah, exactly. Like they 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 made they made the most out of that money as they could have, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of refreshing. I feel like in a lot of unfortunately, it's as weird as it sounds. Like even though we're in like such a great age of you know like technology, there's so many movies that, especially now, that are really not doing great with the the visuals anymore in terms of like CGI and stuff. Especially like blockbuster movies, like um, I feel like a lot of them, it's very obvious they're shot in a studio or whatever. But this, this was like again, like very, this was very well done. Like I, it, it felt like I was there. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, yeah, I think like just to touch one more time, really quick on the acting, uh, especially with a character like like Alexander Skarsgård's Amleth in this. Uh, who's so single-minded and so in a way kind of boring just because there's very little like inner turmoil to deal with that with with a character like that it's really just like whatever that character says and does that's that character like he's not very deep Um, like when you have characters like that it's not that that's a bad thing but in those movies the things that tend to like make or break the movie for me are the side characters and like going way back uh the movie the punisher with thomas jane and uh john travolta like 
Thomas Jane is fine. I love him as the Punisher, but he's not doing very much beyond being like, I got to get revenge. The cool part of that movie is watching John Travolta like react to everything that Thomas Jane does because Thomas Jane like makes it his mission in that movie to turn John Travolta's life into a living hell. And John Travolta like slowly goes insane through the course of the movie. And I got that kind of same feeling with Clayus Bang here uh, being Fjolnir, because since, for whatever reason, Amleth decides he can't just go into Fjolnir's uh, bedchamber and kill him in his sleep, like he has to do this whole elaborate thing, most of the movie is just him making Fjolnir's life hell, be that killing random servants, then killing very specific mm. servants, then, like, killing people in his family, and basically just, like, slowly making him lose absolutely everything he possibly could still lose. Like, Fjolnir's a guy who you wouldn't realize still has things to lose, and then Amleth goes and takes everything from him that he didn't even realize he had. And then, like, and so that, like, the reaction from Fjolnir to that, seeing Fjolnir go from um, being at the very beginning implied to be an ultimately okay leader, if not necessarily a good one, he's at least okay mm-hmm. to by the end being like a very stern, pretty much a bad guy because like he's basically dealing with domestic terrorism at this point and he's got to like deal with this in a very harsh way. It's yeah. really like Fjolnir is the one that has cool character moments for me because he mm-hmm. like has that descent into madness that is done really, really well by Clayus Bang. And like, that's actually kind of, I see that a little bit with Nicole Kidman as well in a, in a different way. Cause like Nicole Kidman has an entire history to her character that we basically don't see. It's implied at the end and it's implied at the end in a way that we don't necessarily need to see it, but it comes across like, Oh, I understand why Nicole Kidman's character is, as insufferable in the sp- in the places she is as she is yeah. and like why she acts the way she does. And like Nicole Kidman, you know, really sells that too. So I think that like, for me, the interesting part, the interesting characters in this are quote unquote, like, I mean, not quote unquote, uh, the antagonists, because they're the ones that have the character arcs because your protagonist is literally just, I mean, in, in, what's the what's the trailer quote? Avenge you, father. Save you, mother. Kill you, Fjolnir. And that's yeah. what he... He literally says that... I'm pretty sure the last time he says that is like 20 minutes before the end. Like, yeah. he doesn't change his mind ever. Yeah. And he doesn't have to. That's not the point of the movie. Yeah. But, like, seeing how every other character reacts to this force of nature is the cool part of the movie for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it might have been more interesting, honestly, to have Fjolnir as, like, the, the main character, mm-hmm. um, and switching it around so that Amleth is, like, would almost kind of be, like, a mystical being, like, because, like, he thinks it's, like, a demon for the longest time, right, until you realize it's the, it was the seven-foot-tall guy yeah. <laughs> standing in front of you. Um, but yeah, oh. it might have been more interesting if they did it that way. Yeah. Oh, it was the dangerous guy that we brought onto the farm. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, like that—that that might have been cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, we we don't have that movie. 
I don't know I if mean, it would have been better. But I'm sure that a Hamlet from the perspective of the bad guy exists. I just don't know what it is. <clears throat> yeah. Well, especially like with the whole, I don't know. Can we get into like spoilers? Okay. At this point, we're 30 minutes in. This is spoiler territory. If you haven't yeah. seen this movie yet and you don't want to get spoiled, here it is. Like, especially with the reveal of like how the king wasn't actually that great of a guy. Like he, but he basically raped the mother, right? Um, mm-hmm. And she was a slave. Uh, and they all, like that's the only reason she became the queen was because she bore him a, a son. Uh, I thought that was like really interesting. Um, obviously, like I, I kind of wish maybe we got that revelation revelation earlier in the movie, maybe or, um, but yeah, it was it was actually really that was cool. I thought that was interesting. Um, I think I think there was a little much actually with the mom. Like I think the whole she tried to trick him into like. I think it was a trick, but like she was like, there's this re- really weird scene where she becomes very incestuous out of nowhere, um, and I think it was just a mess with Amleth, but I felt like that was like just kind of unnecessary. There's a few, there's a few. I think this movie kind of goes a few places that were maybe a little unnecessary with how like there's that incest part. There's the part. There's like a few parts where they like openly show people's guts flinging out. Um, I wouldn't say like it, it like it like took away from the movie. It just, I think it was, wasn't like, I don't know how to say it. It's like, I think it, it was better. I feel like that scene with the mom was much more interesting until you made her like kind of extremely manipulative and crazy. See? And, start, and when she make when she starts making out with her own son, then you're like, okay, well I kind of lost all sympathy for this character. No, but that's the thing is like, I don't actually think that scene, I think that scene works the way it is could it have been toned down i'm sure it could have been without like losing too much but for me why that scene works is we've just had it revealed to us that uh this woman has been a slave her entire life so like throughout her entire life she's basically never been able to exercise her own will in any capacity she is always a victim to like that's a running theme in this movie is that everyone is a victim to the fates or to prophecy willing or otherwise in her case she's not like she's sort of a victim to of her fate but like she's had no control over that ever this is the one time that for better or worse worse ultimately she's like trying to sort of get ahead of things and exercise a tiny bit of control, which goes badly for her. Um, And like, yes, you (laughs) could tone it down. Yeah, you could tone that down. But like, I think that that's very consistent with her character. And like, I think that that character, like, I think her character is super interesting, both in the context of the movie and also just like, you know, she's got this whole inner life that, even in that moment, she's still a slave to fate. I mean, she's still a slave, ultimately. Like, she literally has the brand. Yeah. Yeah, I, like, I guess it makes sense, like, overall, sort of. Um, <clears throat> I don't necessarily think it, like... Well, okay, I, maybe if they explain that a little more. Because, again, I thought her character... Because like, you're right. It, it is really interesting how she's basically lived a life where she's just trying to basically stay alive and not be a slave again. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why she was really happy when she found the guy that killed her husband turned out to be kind of an... Like, kind of love her. Yeah. Um, 
So like I, that is really interesting. I I guess maybe if they delved into that more too, then I would have appreciated that more. Um, because but like right after we never after that scene, we don't really see her until she dies, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Pretty much, yeah. <clears throat> that's the last bit. So um, yeah, if we maybe got more of that, I I could have liked that more. Um, I was gonna, there was something else. Oh, the. <laughs> The whole, uh, the scene, <laughs> I actually laughed a lot. There's that scene at the end where, uh, Alexander's, or Amleth finds out he has kids, he's having kids, and then he just jumps off the boat. <laughs> he's like, he's like totally fine with leaving. <laughs> then he finds out he's going to be a dad, and he's like, ah, yeah, I, I think I'm going to go back and kill the other guys. I think that's more important to me right now. That's such an <laughs> infuriating scene, because it's oh like, oh my god. Yeah, she's like, I didn't want to tell you until I knew we were going to be safe. And he goes, we'll never be safe because I heard that prophecy that one time. I got to go kill now. (laughs) And it's like, I don't think Fjolnir cares anymore. Like, yeah, he's mad, but he's not going to hunt you to the ends of the earth because he's lost everything. He's like five. Well, well, to be fair, I I guess that's also what happened to Amleth. And he came back and fucked up his entire family. So... You know, like, it's, it's, I, I understand that, I guess, like, that, feel, I think, well, I think he just wanted revenge. I think that was just kind of an excuse for finishing his revenge plot, basically. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I was, that, that was actually hilarious to me, like, that it was like a very deadbeat dad. <laughs> He's like, I don't want to be a father. Yeah. <laughs> I would rather die at the gates of hell than be a father, right <laughs> now. Um. Which also remind that that end sequence. I don't know how if I like it or not, but it was very, it was the most testosterone fueled, like final battle or battle of, of any kind that I've ever seen. Of oh, I loved two, it. Two naked men fighting with swords in a erupting volcano. <laughs> it was it's... it was intense. It's the end of Revenge of the Sith, but imagine if instead of like quipping at each other, they were nude and like they never jumped around at all. They were just like they they were just beating each other with sticks the whole time. Yeah. But when I say it's the end of Revenge of the Sith, I mean there's lava. That's it. Like it's not even comparable at all. But still. Well, there's lava. You have you have a platon a potential father figure and a potential son. I guess that's true. Um, fighting over their wives dying or something or their children, you know, there's there's mm-hmm. something there, I'm sure. Anyways, <laughs> but yeah, that that was. Like, I don't know if I like that. I thought that was kind of, but also it was kind of funny. I maybe like that. I would have liked it more if the movie kind of leaned into that stuff more, like the hyper testosterone based stuff. Like maybe like it, it would kind of give me like predator vibes or. Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen Conan the Barbarian, but I feel like that would fit in too. Um, of just like, like, let's just fucking go. Like, fuck. Because that's the thing. Like, the plot didn't really matter in this. Especially at that point. That point well, no, it just they... felt like, like, like a, that, that felt like a, I just want to see two dudes fighting in a volcano mm-hmm. type action, which was fun, right? So I, I, I feel like, it would almost have been more fun if they like focused on that stuff more and kind of like relied less on this whole mist like the all the mysticism didn't sell me at all i didn't like that 
Like the mm. prophecy was just boring. Um, and it explains some things on the plot, but like it's really contrived. I thought the whole sword thing was weird too. The scene was cool when he grabs that sword, but like the like the way it was shot was well done. But I don't think the sword really added anything. I thought it was really funny. I loved the sword as a narrative device because it just like would arbitrarily stop him from doing things because he's like, no, I have to use this sword. And it's like, don't, but okay. Well, yeah, what was the point? Was the point of the sword to make him think it was a demon because it was like, it would give them like mystical cuts or something like that? No, the sword was just a, it was a really good sword, but like it was, and it was a sword that was specifically mentioned in his prophecy that he got. Mm. But then that sword could only be opened at night or at the gates of hell. And so, but it was also the only sword he had access to. So like, oh, you know, if ever okay. he needed a sword, it's like, here it is, but you can't use it unless it's night. Yeah, that's really stupid. <laughs> I thought it was really funny. Oh my God. Well, see, that's like, I, I don't know if this was, that was supposed to be funny. It didn't feel like it was supposed to be funny. It but this movie's like actually hilarious for like some of the wrong reasons. I mean, I feel like there's a lot in this movie that's just extra, and the reason that it's there is to show, like, like at no point in Amleth's journey does Amleth have to be subject to fate. Like, at every single point, he could just act on his own. He could kill Fjolnir <laughs> right away. He could just go to Orkney. He doesn't have to go back. He could do so many things, but at every point, he's more interested in fulfilling this prophecy than actually doing the thing he came there for. Which is why, like, there's that one scene where he tries to unsheath the uh, unsheath the sword, but the sun's up, and he can't unsheath the sword, so he goes back to his normal day as a slave. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. It's the, the sword in the sheath is a good club. You can hit someone over the head with it. You can wreak all the havoc you want. But he's more interested in, like, using the sword at the gates of hell, whatever that means, than he is in actually, like, getting revenge. He has to do it by the book. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, some weird stuff there. Good movie, though. I enjoyed yeah. it. Uh. I, I I would say I would say I I I'm not as excited for the next Robert Eggers movie, um, but like I think I mean no I think I think he still I think he's an amazing director. I'm just a little worried about his his I guess I don't know adaptations or whatever. What was it? Was Lighthouse an adaptation? No. Was that a so there, I think there is a story, like a real story, like a story of an actual lighthouse that has some interesting parallels to the Robert Eggers one, but it yeah. wasn't a, actually an adaptation of anything specific. Oh, okay. Um, anyways, I, uh, I, I, I think his next movie is Nosferatu or something. If that's Possibly. still going. Assuming um, it actually happens. I kind of, I don't know. I, after seeing his adaptation of this, like I, I kind of wish he'd do his more, more of his original stuff. And um, like, I mean, I think he's, I think he's such a creative director that like, this is a movie he wanted to do and it worked out fine. But like, I feel like in the future, I don't ever see him becoming someone who just adapts things. I really think that he's like, he's got more, 
he's got very interesting films still left in him and they're gonna like we're gonna get another lighthouse eventually whatever so. that looks like i don't know i don't know i don't know the second like yeah the second movie seems to be you'll usually be very good for, I, I don't know why i'm saying second movie but it feels like i don't know anyways I mean, this was his big studio debut, and I think that, like, if this is what a Robert Eggers blockbuster looks like, I'm down. I don't want all of his movies to be Robert Eggers blockbusters, because of the ones I've seen, this is my least favorite. I've only seen two, but this is my least favorite of those two. (laughs) Yeah. But, like, that doesn't... I still liked it, and, like... Oh, yeah, I still think he's one of the best directors, like, today. So... Yeah, I'm I'm very excited to see I don't know, I guess what his next thing is. I don't know. This movie I'm I'm not sure. I'm always excited to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh well what would you think you'd rate this movie? Uh I gave it like a strong seven mm. out of ten. <clears throat> yeah, I think I'm feeling like, say six point five, maybe a seven. Yeah. That makes uh, sense. Relatively straightforward. Really solid. But nothing much more than that. Mm-hmm. Well, not I would say solid actually. There, there, yeah. I think if he if this movie is like an hour forty five minutes, it could have been really solid. I would give it an eight or something. But yeah. Anyways. All right. Well, we'll uh, see you in two years, Robert Eggers. Maybe three. I hope so. I don't know what. Like it, I, I think it's he seems to be on a three year cycle. I hope <clears> his <throat> uh, I hope his Nosferatu does something because mm. I mean. If it doesn't, that's fine too. But like the only thing I know that he has in the pipeline that he's even like announced he's working on is Nosferatu. And like if that doesn't happen, then it might be four years before we see. Watch him get a Marvel movie next or something. (laughs) Just something completely out of. All right, I'd be like super interested, but I also like. I don't know. I don't want anyone to do a Marvel movie. There's very few directors where I'm like, you need to do a Marvel movie next. Yeah. Obviously, if Robert Eggers was doing a Robert, a Marvel movie, I'd I'd be down. I'd see it immediately. I'd probably see it immediately anyway because that's the curse I live with. Mm. But you know, I I would be interested if someone you know anytime you get like a Chloe Zhao doing a Marvel movie, I'm very interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you never know. We'll find out soon. Uh, what we're we're doing? What next? Top Gun. Yeah, another movie. We never talked about Morbius, right? No, thank God. Okay, I was gonna say Morbius is one of those movies that, like, it had a it had a cycle of they they were promoting it for like two years. Top Gun Maverick is the other one that has <laughs> been promoted for like a billion years now. Yeah, and so it's finally really, coming out. I'm really excited. I um, apparently it's one of the best like one of the best action blockbusters of like like the past few years. So I've heard, and like that definitely makes me excited because I, uh, I like actually, I actually haven't ever seen the original Top Gun front to back. I've seen like lots of pieces of it, and I've seen Hot Shots, uh, Hot Shots, which is like Top Gun but with Charlie Sheen. Um, <laughs> so that doesn't count, but like I'm gonna re- I'm gonna watch the original Top Gun, and then I'm gonna watch this new Top Gun, and mm. uh, I'm, I'm excited for it because at Cannes it did well. I don't know how to interpret most of the news from Cannes, though. Like, Cannes is a film festival where people have very extreme reactions. People walk out all the time. They have standing ovations. And, like, 
neither of those things necessarily is indicative indicative of the quality of the movie ultimately, which is super weird. <clears throat> Yeah, they're very, yeah, I, I keep reading these things like, oh, this movie got a 10-minute standing ovation. It's like, what are they clapping that long for? Like, I don't like think the movie I've ever been in, sit down. I, I might have once been in a movie that had people clap afterwards. I have never yeah. been in a movie where people have done any kind of standing ovation. I think it's just the Hollywood. Well, it's because they're, like, they're all industry people. They all got, like, you know. yeah. I mean, like I said, Can is a very well. I think actually David Cronenberg said this recently. He was like, Can is a very different audience from the normal film goers, and yeah. like different in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's fair. <clears throat> they they do like movies. Usually, uh, Jeff, what's the last word? It's gonna be volleyball. <laughs>